Down in the Groove, Episode 4. Keeping it rolling with from Episode 3. Um, Aaron here with Tyler and Adam. And we have a special topic for this episode, film scores and soundtracks. So we're going to go through um, our favorite soundtracks from movies and scores. And I think we're going to go Adam, Tyler, Aaron. You yeah, guys good I'm, with that? I'm good with that. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds good. I mean, man, I'm excited for this episode. I don't know about you guys, but I watch way too many movies. I remember back when Netflix, you could rate them. Now you can't. like thumbs up, thumbs down or some crap. Mm-hmm. It used to be like five stars. It was way better. Mm-hmm. And I would rate every movie I saw. I don't remember. I stopped doing it after a while, but I was like over a thousand. It was like... Oh, shit. I feel like I was wasting my life away watching that <laughs> stuff, but I just love movies, so... Um, it actually was a pretty fruitful topic, and I uh, definitely had a few that really stuck out to me. It was surprising that all my favorite movies I could go back to. They didn't necessarily have the best soundtracks in terms of like my favorite music necessarily, but the way music fit in with the scenes in the flow of the movie, and like I go back and I remember scenes. The most vivid scenes always have like a song with them that's always like capturing mm-hmm. that moment and like remembers it. So. I don't know if you guys felt the same way, but that's like one thing that really stuck out to me when I was going through this. Yeah, it's for sure. For me, yeah. Um, I have kind of have a separate list here. I have a list of overall soundtracks and scores that I enjoyed, and then I had a kind of separate list of just specific songs or specific scenes from movies that were really impactful. I, for me, it's more. I'm pretty much only have like one movie I want to talk about the actual soundtrack, but it's all the other ones are just specific scenes that work so perfectly. And like this episode, we've been sitting on it the idea for a couple weeks now, and it's like almost giving me anxiety because I, for a while, had my dream job. Want, I wanted to pick movie soundtracks. That was like my dream job. I think it was after the first time I watched Entourage all the way through. And I don't know if you guys watch Entourage, but they have like yeah. really good use of music. It always just you know, it just works out so well with every scene they pick it for. So I think the guy's name was uh, Vern Vernon Vern something. I can't remember his name. And he um, picked for a few different shows on HBO. He did the soundtracks, and I emailed him trying to get a little information about how he got into that line of work and I never heard back and I think that's about when I dropped the dream job idea but um there's a million movies I've seen that I've loved the soundtracks and I've just been sitting here thinking the past couple weeks and cannot think of any of them so I know I'm gonna have a lot of regrets for the next few weeks like oh I should have talked about that one but uh (laughs) so it goes I have to bring this up right now um you just made me remember something that I completely forgot happened in college but remember when we had Batman versus Superman filming on campus yeah yep at the Broad Art Museum I applied mm-hmm. to be an extra for that movie, and I emailed someone about it. I didn't get it, but... Um, My best friend's dad was. No he, he was an extra, and he's in the movie. You see the back of his head. And it's a funny story, actually, because he did it. He's, like, one of the funniest dads I know, so it's, like, totally something he would do. And he applied. He got it. Showed up. It was, like, a week-long thing. It was a ton of standing around and being treated like a sheep. He said, like, they literally treat you like complete trash. And, obviously, because you're not Ben Affleck. And, um... The scene he was in, they had him placed. I think he was in a purple velvet suit, so he was feeling like a boss. And they had him placed right next to um, the main characters. So he was like convinced 100% that he was going to be in the movie. And he came up with an idea to not tell their best friends that he did it. And he was going to be like, hey, we should all go see Batman versus Superman together. 
So we got a big group of us. There's like eight or 10 of us. We went to see the movie and their friend group didn't, um, they didn't know. So when he was going to show up on screen, like what a, you know, funny, surprising moment. And the scene comes in and you like, don't even see him. You maybe see his shoulder or the back of his head. <laughs> so you had no idea it was him. And he turns around and looks at me because the movie kind of sucked. And he turns around and looks at me and he's like, well, this is a fucking waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> He was ready to get up and leave. He did not care about anything in the movie. He just wanted to see himself. So there was no punchline to the surprise, no joke. We told him after the movie, and I'm just like, oh, that's cool. But, uh, <laughs> big you know, I time. heard that movie was absolute garbage. I didn't no, watch it. Not garbage. That's uh, a little I would, harsh. I think it was, uh, it's better than people make it out to be. It's just DC movies, the, the DCU, whatever they call it now, it's not that good. It's DCU. fine. Yeah. I, the thing I like about the DC movies is they're a lot darker than Marvel, and mm-hmm. I like that. I prefer that. Um, Fox but, does it best of the X-Men movies. But they don't have, like... I like the darkness, too, because it is different. Marvel's obviously the fun and lighthearted and, Disney, and the humor. And, like, Kitty. Yeah, I, I agree with you. But when I want when you say they do it dark, I guess this is a DC property. But the Watchmen movie from 2008 or 2009, whenever it is, that's, mm-hmm. like... I, I don't know that Aaron. We've talked about how amazing that movie is, and mm-hmm. that's like a perfect form of dark. But yes. it also had like a unique aspect to it. it had color in it, like it's very colorful. Still, the the tone was dark. But these DC DC movies are just straight up dark all around. Color, tone, acting. I, I yeah. don't know. I mean, I read the comic book that it was based off of. I think it's Dark Knight Returns, and uh, that's the one where. Um, well, I'm really blanking on the author of the Alan Moore? graphic novel. It, no, yes. Yeah. No, no, no. Alan Moore did Watchmen. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is Dark Knight Returns that they based um, Superman versus Batman on. Or Batman versus Superman. Couldn't tell you. And that book is great. Like, that was the one that first made, like, Batman, like, gritty. Like, before that, it was kind of, like, more sticky. And then that came out, and it was, like, a more adult version of it. And, mm-hmm. uh... It's a really great comic book. I I've only really read Batman comics just because I was a nerd after seeing uh, Dark Knight, uh, the Dark Knight, because that movie was just so good in theaters. Oh my god! Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it was. the sound of, the, the sound of that like that blew me away. Like the theater is just shaking. Like that opening scene with the Joker just mm-hmm. set, that was so good. Oh my, it blew yeah. me away. No, Have I'm you seen Watchmen, agree. Tyler? Yeah, that was the f- movie that we were super hyped after because we were like, this is going to be like The Dark Knight, but rated R and like way darker. And it was awesome. Don't get me wrong. Fucking but amazing. I haven't seen it since. Oh, God. I remember there's like a chainsaw scene. It's like in the jail. All right. Um, let's, uh, yeah. We got to make sure we don't do spoilers on this uh, episode. Do it's we have a 10 year? Can we in- implement a 10 year rule? If the movie's over 10 years old, it's on you if you haven't seen it yet. Um. I'm just kidding. I mean, we don't need to do that. <laughs> that's fair. I feel like that. Well, technically, I think all my movies then I can spoil because I'm looking at it. They're all over 10 years that's old. That's what I figured. Like, I know I'm going to have stuff in common with Adam, but I'm uh, honestly expecting Tyler movies to all just be like, what? I didn't even think of that, guys. The movies we're going to talk about in this are going to be like for certain scenes to like get our point across about the soundtrack. We might have to drop in a few spoilers. <laughs> I mean, one of mine's 50 years old. Well, how about this? We'll just say, uh, if, if we're going to do talk about a soundtrack, there's a spoiler included in what we're about to say. We'll let the audience know if they really care enough and want to see that movie still. 
don't listen. I can talk about my mind about spoilers. Him. I'm good. I'm ready. Yeah. Okay. Same here. I want to talk about certain scenes, but I won't spoil like what's happening in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. That, we'll be good. All right. Let's get into this because I have a lot to say about mine. I, I'm pretty okay. sure you guys do too. I, I feel like we yeah. should mention to the audience the third episode. Hopefully everyone's listened to it already. Um, that was supposed to be this episode. We were supposed to talk about movie soundtracks and scores, which I think we mentioned. But uh, as we're finding out there's a theme with us, we go off topic and 45 minutes later, we hadn't even brought up movie soundtracks yet. So we decided to cut that into one episode. And here we are 10 minutes later recording this one. So we'll be released on a different day. But um this is, I guess you could say in a lot of ways, part two to episode three. Yeah. Saving you guys some time from not having to listen to a two hour long episode. I don't <laughs> think anybody could put up for uh, put up with us for that long. I mean, I know I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I've been living with myself my whole life and I can't put up with it. <laughs> All right, Adam, hit, up, hit us with your favorite soundtracks. All right, let's get into it. So I don't really have a number one or anything like that. Just some that I really like. I'm going to do the first one because I wanted to talk about the soundtrack as a whole. It's from the movie Grind, which is a 2003 movie, kind of a coming-of-age movie with some high schoolers that are all skaters. It's a very just B-comedy. Have you guys seen it? Mm-mm. No. Is there any like actors or directors or something? Um, Adam Brody, I think is his name, from the OC. Okay. <laughs> He's in it. Yeah. You guys know him? So I think, I I think that's him, the yeah. actor. He's in it. But it's So it's like... 2003, so think about what was going on in 2003 in the skating community. Bam Margera is in it. I think um, Tony Hawk might be in it for a second. I don't know. A ton of, like, half the cast from Jackass is in it. Wee Man's in it. Preston Lacey's in it. They make little cameos, but they are in it. And uh, the soundtrack is like, oh, my God. It's just so, it fits the movie so well, and there's so many songs. Like, they probably went overkill with it, but, like, there's a ton of action scenes. Essentially, it's a group of high schoolers who are about to graduate, and they're all decent skaters, but one of them is especially good. And uh, there's this made-up, this fictional character who's like the Tony Hawk of the movie universe, and he's going on this tour, and they want to get noticed by him. So they're like, all right, guys, this is our chance. Like, Let's just follow him in their tour throughout the country, and hopefully he'll catch us at a random park, or we can give him a demo, and we'll get picked up and sponsored, and we'll be set for life. So it's about them trying to follow him and stuff, these four friends. And it's really funny. I mean, it's one of my favorite comedies in general. I haven't seen it in quite a few years, and I was a teenager when I was watching it, so it was stupid teen humor. I don't even know if it'd be as funny anymore. But um, just some movies from, or some songs from it that I know you guys will definitely recognize. Uh, it'll be a trip down memory lane. There's Boom by P.O.D., Great song. Here comes the boom. Um, yeah, I'm, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a kid by Simple Plan. Uh, oh. Smoke two joints by Sublime. Um, <laughs> Seeing oh, red. Yeah. Seeing red by Unwritten Law, which is probably the I think the best song in the movie. Just the timing of it. It's like one of the more dramatic moments of the movie. Um, I think the coolest thing to me about it was back when I was a kid, the first CD I ever bought with my own money was Trapped, their self-titled album. Uh, if you guys know Trap saying Headstrong, which was like at every sporting event for a five-year period, like I was obsessed with Trapped. I give them a lot of credit for a lot of the music I ended up getting into. Um, it's also my first concert I ever went to. So they played, obviously, Headstrong, but they also played These Walls. So just kind of cool that they were able to throw in two songs from the same band. 
Um, another amazing song from that time period was Poetic Tragedy by The Used. Oh, was right? that in the movie? Yep. Aaron, oh, I knew you were going to love that. Album. Oh, so good. Uh, Taste of Ink was on that album. Just phenomenal. Um, Fly, from in- Fly From the Inside by Shinedown, which... I'm again shine down. It's like that whole scene, just all those bands is kind of laughable not to think about, but in the movie, it works so well. Um, there's a lesson Jake song, uh, going down on it by hot action cop would be probably my favorite, like just funny joke song to play at parties and stuff. It's just such a, I, I if you guys don't know it, I highly recommend listening to it. It's like really just funny. Um, okay. And then another song from it, was uh i don't know why it's not showing up here on the wikipedia page but it was um i can't think of the name of the song but it's a billy talent song uh line and sinker and i don't know if you guys ever listened to billy talent but it was actually the first song i ever learned on guitar if it wasn't this one it was another one of his songs but um pretty much start to finish every song in the movie is just like it sounds like a skateboarding video game for ps2 like a soundtrack ripped straight from the video game soundtrack and they threw it into a skateboarding movie so Really good overall. It makes the movie much more enjoyable. Yeah, I need to check that out. You had me thinking when you said first album you've ever bought, and it popped to my head that the first album I've ever bought was actually a movie soundtrack album. It's not on my top five, but um, Shrek, the soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> and All right. I had Smash Mouth All-Star, yep. Joan Jett, Reputation, uh, I'm probably blinking on some other ones, but you, as a kid, your, used to first jam CD, out that. your first CD was the Shrek soundtrack. I mean, yeah, wow. I love that movie. <laughs> I mean, no, I'm not like, I'm not hating on it. It just, it sounds like something out of a me to me. But <laughs> that is really funny. <laughs> it's my real life, man. My life's a meme. But um, I'll jump into my actual real list here because enough of uh. Hold on, I... oh, wait before wait. The song at the end. Do you guys remember the song at the end of Shrek? They did that mashup. The yeah. donkey's rapping. Yeah. I like big butts, but I cannot. Oh, God. That was the first movie? Yeah. Oh, You're going to say something, Aaron? <laughs> no, was, first of all, I was going to say Adam's not done yet. You only named one movie off. But, uh, <laughs> I think we're going to go each do like one oh, okay. and then go oh. in a circle. Yeah, we can do that. Um, well, then. Unless you guys want to do it differently. That's I feel like. I don't even know. I, I, there's just a few like singular songs I was going to throw out from certain movies. Let's um, do so that. I don't even know how many I we'll have. Just let Adam uh, finish up. But yeah. One thing I wanted uh, to say uh, that the, the thoughts I had while you were talking about this, things I'm reminded of. I know everybody played Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2, I think. But uh, oh, for me, it was American Pro Wasteland. Pro Skater 1 for me. For me, it was American Wasteland, which was later on, but that was my classic Tony Hawk game that I thought of. Rocket Power, another thing. so hold on though guys i went back and watched rocket power on youtube a couple years ago and i was extremely disappointed i thought it was going to be like you know really fucking good obviously and it was just animation was very bad and like it was choppy and i didn't enjoy it as much as i was hoping i would so it was kind of a bummer the only squid otto reggie squid Mm -hmm. uh lars um, Don't bounce a check that your tush can't catch. Uh, what they call the, the shoobies. Man, these shoobies are in our town. Yeah, they had a lot of good terminology from that show. <laughs> good times. Another yeah. thing I just wanted to throw out there is the only time I've ever listened to Billy Talent was 
My friend from high school, Joey, lent me his iPod once when I was going on vacation. I needed music to listen to. Just makes me remember how far, like how much of a bygone era that is. Like mm-hmm. iPods. It was one of the ones with the click wheel, like one of the big ones. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The click wheel. Um, it's actually funny you mentioned that, Aaron. Today, I was coming home from up north with my friend, and we were talking about like just because uh, he played a Drake song. And I'm not a huge Drake fan, but it's like he worships Drake. And uh, he, we're joking about how like how long ago it's been. It's been about a decade since Drake, you know, kind of came onto the scene. And I remember when I was, um, we started talking about Kid Cudi, and I remember uh, high school, like driving around, we're talking about just having an iPod, and it's like, oh, did you bring your iPod for the trip, like wherever we're going? And it's like, it's so funny to think that iPods aren't even a thing for people ten years younger than us. Do they even like? Are those Walkmans to them by now? Right. I mean, it's the namesake for podcasts, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, anyway, that's all I had to say about that. Was... <laughs> you got any more movies there? Adam? Yeah, okay, so back to Better Oblivion Community Center. Um, so for my... <laughs> For my next movie, uh, again, these are just more so like singular songs I wanted to talk about. Um, have you guys seen Me, Myself, and Irene? Yeah. Nope. Okay. Aaron, you have it? No. I think that that's like one of my more underrated comedies out there. No one, for whatever reason, has seemed to have seen it. And it's Jim Carrey, you know, comedic genius that everyone's seen his movies. But this is like a rated R Jim Carrey movie. It's pretty... Um, it can be pretty vulgar at times. Uh, it's Definitely hilarious. Definitely raunchy. R- super raunchy. I mean, do you like it, Tyler? Do, do you think it's funny? Oh, yeah, it's hilarious. It's directed by uh, the Fairley Brothers. Yep. They're known for doing, like, gross-out, raunchy. They did comedies. Dumb and Dumber. Yep, they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which but I'll, would... I'll, I don't want to jump on your uh, over your movie here, so I'll let you keep exploring. It. Oh, no, you're good. I'm glad you've seen it because you'll know what scene I'm talking about. So... The movie is about Jim Carrey's character. Uh, he has the intro is like he's a. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? All right, I guess something funny happens in the beginning. Apparently, well, it's something every guy's experienced with their zippers—a very horrific accident that could potentially happen. Okay, oh, that. wait, that's what I was thinking of. Is that at the intro? No, and so it's the. the oh, can, I'm thinking of you're thinking something of about, Mary. about Mary. Yeah, I was gonna say. Oh was man. It? Yeah, I know. I was like, wait, that's something about Mary. So you haven't seen this? No, I have seen that one too. Okay, okay. The the scene in something about Mary, I was terrified. Like for the next however many years, I was gonna zipper myself. Um, thankfully, it hasn't happened yet. Fingers crossed. But uh, is this where he's a state trooper. Yeah, he, so he's a Rhode Island oh, state okay. trooper. Yeah, he's so like. So yeah, Rhode Island State Trooper, everyone loves him, takes advantage of him because he's a complete pushover, just the nicest guy on the planet, meets this woman, they fall in love, they get married, they come back from the honeymoon, or maybe just straight from the wedding, and the limo driver uh, pretty much cucks him and steals his wife from him, and then she gets, but he doesn't know this, like, so... The limo driver hooks up with his wife, and then you know he's living happily, <laughs> freshly married, and his wife gets pregnant. And the limo driver was—I can't think of his name—but it's the actor who plays. He's in Bad Santa, who plays the elf. Um, he's um, a short person. Yes, and I, I can't think of his name because he's in a ton of stuff, at least from the '90s. But anyway, 
he's okay. also yeah so he's african-american um and the babies come out and there's the first baby's black and jim carrey's kind of just like uh wait a second <laughs> and then another baby comes out and then another baby comes out so they have triplets and none of the babies are white and jim carrey's like starting to put the pieces together and he essentially just like brushes it off like he's convinced they're his kids and he like won't accept that they're not and the next like however many years go by and he just can't accept that they're not his kids and everyone he's a pushover so everyone takes advantage of him and finally all of this stuff like his life just turns to shit. His wife leaves him. So, by the way, his wife left him with the limo driver. So, he's raising these three kids himself. And it gets to this point where he's, like, simply had enough. And, like, he has this meltdown. And this music plays. It comes in. And, like, I can't even describe it. But it's, like, this very fast snare. It almost sounds like a like a, a marching band, like, drumline song. And it comes in. And then, like, he does the transition to this alter personality has he's he essentially becomes schizophrenic and he has this personality that comes out and it's like the biggest piece of shit scumbag (laughs) slimy dirtball character and he just essentially the whole movie transitions back and forth between charlie and hank is the other character's name and every time he does a transition it plays the music in his face like his face you know jim carrey's a very uh, i can't think of the word very um facial actor like he makes a lot of good faces and impersonations and his face just like his eyes start like fluttering and going up and down <laughs> do you know what i'm talking about tyler you don't see yes yes, yes. So the, if you just google uh me myself and irene um uh hank transition <laughs> there will be a video just, out there he just doesn't remember what hank does either no. and there's a great scene where he wakes up in the morning yep and he's like walking around like very uncomfortably yep <laughs> and uh he sees it's like a box of like sex toys next to him and he can't figure out what it was and like hank and irene who's played by um uh, dude oh my god like the most popular b-list bridget jones right yeah yeah her, she was uh, in bridget jones Catherine Ka- um, zeta jones no she no. was like in bridget jones's diary or something I yeah think. i i this is gonna drive me crazy i can't think of it but i know you're talking about um but he wakes up and he's like walking all funny and then he sees like a box of like sex toys next to him and he's like oh man what did hank do last night he goes to the bathroom that was scene, right yeah he goes to the bathroom and he's about to piss and he's just whistling he's he's charlie right now and as soon as he starts pissing he's got a wicked case of snake tongue and it just starts shooting all over the wall to the left <laughs> he, he walks back out and he's like why am i pissing like i had sex last night God. So just the song from that movie, that is like for comedic purposes, a perfect example of like, I don't even know how they found the song. It's uh here. I, I brought it up. It's by, um, uh, it's called fire like this by hard knocks. So, um, again, these will all be included in the Spotify playlist down in the groove podcast, but, um, yeah, it's very funny. Totally helps the movie for the purpose of him transitioning to Hank. And uh, I didn't want to talk about it for that long, so I'll get moving on to my next one. Um, <laughs> Ferris Bueller. I think we've all seen Ferris Bueller's oh. Day Off. Mm-hmm. Uh, of the parade scene? Not the parade scene. Um, it's actually when they're driving into town after they just took Cameron's dad's car and they play Beat City. So yeah. 
I, you know, having some, my cousin lived in Chicago and having some other friends and just making Chicago trips throughout the past few years. Every time I go into Chicago, I have to play Beat City when I'm coming into, you know, the, the skyline shows up. It just like, just kind of a ritual for me. And I love that. Just, I don't know. It's one of those movies as a kid, I watched over and over and over a million times. And that was always just like something that stuck with me from a nostalgic standpoint. So it's a good soundtrack to begin with. Like there's a lot of other really good songs in that movie, but, um, Beat City downtown, beat, beat. Beat City. So, yeah, they, there was actually a few years ago they did like a Ferris Bueller tour. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? No. You could pay for a ticket and you could like, they did pretty much a, a tour that hit every single stop they made in the movie. And just like a huge commemorative fan thing. I didn't do it, but it sounded pretty interesting. Um, also, I really love the Super Bad soundtrack. Um, again, another coming of age movie. A lot of people say one of the best comedies of all time. Uh, I assume both of you guys have seen Superbad. Got it on Blu-ray. There you go. So um, I would say, you know, you have Casey and the Sunshine Band in there, which big fan of Casey and the Sunshine Band. Love them. I think that they they should be able to have a song in almost any movie. Um, A lot of throwback songs, a lot of 80s songs. They had Panama in the scene where they're doing the donuts in the parking lot. (laughs) (laughs) Love that scene. Um, I don't know what's going on with the Wikipedia pages I'm finding because these is more so just like the original songs they made for it. But uh, oh, there we go, Big Papa by uh-huh. B.I.G. Obviously, um, These Eyes by. <laughs> <laughs> you remember the scene where Evan is singing These Eyes in the the one room um, with all the the druggies? That scene's yeah. great. And then. Uh, <laughs> Ace of Spades. He gets a detergent, right? He has to get like the laundry detergent. That was at the while he was singing these songs. Um, yeah. Uh, Jonah Hill's character was getting the detergent. Bro, your or girlfriend just perioded on my leg. God, that's nasty. <laughs> oh, I mean, Jesus Christ! <laughs> that movie, yeah, that, that movie's amazing. So, um, yeah, I feel like just the songs. There wasn't too many songs in it, but every time one came in, it seemed to fit it pretty well. Just that, just a. Uh, extended night of partying and getting yourself into trouble so i really like that one also really like the baby driver soundtrack um not sure if you guys have seen baby driver yes i haven't seen that i've always heard great things about it it is a really good movie it's very very fast-paced uh just from the beginning the main character he was in an accident as a kid and he has some ear damage so he listens to music. How, how does it work, Tyler? He's always listening to music to kind of like calm him down because of the ringing in his ears. Yeah, I believe that's the case. Yeah. Uh, okay. That's a, gr- a pretty good movie. It's directed by uh, Aaron um, Edgar Wright. He's the same guy that did um, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, Scott Pilgrim, um, End of the World. Or yep. world end the world, world at end. world's end yeah yeah um yeah it's it's just a very fast paced heist movie really good movie all around jamie fox is in it john ham um another actor who we will not name uh who's a little problematic um oh yeah forgot he was in it <laughs> yep but uh th- i'm just looking at some of the songs which a lot of them i did not know there's some songs you'd recognize but a lot i just had never heard of but they just fit the scene so well cuz it was was so upbeat and like looking at it right now, there's 30 songs in this movie. So 
I mean, start to finish, there's music playing in almost every scene, it seems like. Um, so if you haven't seen Baby Driver, I'd highly recommend checking it out. It's an awesome movie. Uh, and then I also have on here Goodfellas, which is oh. um, one of my favorite movies. And there's really good soundtrack overall throughout the whole movie as well. But the f- one song I wanted to talk about particularly was um, uh, Sunshine of Your Love. It's a scene with Robert De Niro's at the bar and this guy who he just absolutely despises walks in and it kind of like plays slow motion and De Niro's just looking at him and he's got that classic De Niro mobster look on his face like, I'm going to straight up fucking kill you. And he does kill the guy. <laughs> um, but it's just like really like well-timed classic Scorsese movie scene if you know Scorsese movies. Um, Goodfellas is amazing. Yeah. Another movie kind of similar to Baby Driver, just right off the bat, the movie is so fast paced. Like the first 15 minutes, it's telling uh, the main character's story about how he got into the whole um, mob scene. And it's just like Henry Hill. Yep. Uh, uh, What's his name? The actor. Ray Liotta. Yeah. Ray Liotta's character. Um, It just like, you know, when you see a movie, sometimes they are a little slow burn and it takes a while to get into. This one has you gripped straight from the beginning. Like you don't, there's no way you could walk away after seeing this. I will recommend though, if you haven't seen it, do not watch it on TV. I can't stress it enough because back to like what we're talking about, uh, the people who edit movies with, um, you know, swear words and stuff, they do a horrible job of editing this one because almost every other sentence has fuck in it. And so yeah, you have to watch it on DVD. It's on Netflix, isn't it? It was. I don't know if it still is, though. It, it could be. I hope so. Um, I love that scene of Joe Pesci. Get your shine box. <laughs> yeah, Joe Pesci's crazy in that movie. Uh, <laughs> I, I want to see the new it. one that's coming out. He's got Pesci in there again. It's called oh. uh, The Irishman. Action yes, Brownson's in it. No way. Really? Yeah, he plays like, I don't know how many scenes he's in, but he's talk, he's rapping about, I'm in the new Scorsese or whatever. <laughs> like, it's all this stuff. Damn. No, yeah, that movie's going to be great. I'm pretty sure pretty much all the Scorsese favorites are in it. Um, yeah, it's a loaded cast. Yes, it definitely is. Uh, so I would say I think that about covers all the ones I want to talk about. And then there's one more that is like there's a movie that I want to talk about for my scores that came out earlier this year, which has be- slowly become one of my more favorite movies, but a scene in particular that like I wish I could show everyone, but it would ruin the movie. But another scene from a movie that I wish I could just show people for the sake of it is from the movie Collateral. Have you guys seen that with Tom Cruise and Jamie Foxx? Boy, it's been a long time, but I remember seeing that. Okay. So I heard that brought up recently, but I haven't seen it. It, it came out, I don't even know, maybe 2004, 2005. And again, another extremely underrated movie that no one really seems to talk about. It's personally my favorite Tom Cruise role, other than his cameo in Tropic Thunder. Um, if you know what character I'm talking about, <laughs> Rex Grossman, Rex, Gro- Rex Grossman, or something, or Le- Les Grossman. I think Rex Grossman is a quarterback for the Chicago Bears. <laughs> it's like Les Grossman. Or yeah, I'm, I think I'm definitely wrong on that one. It, it's Les. Yeah, it has to be Les Grossman. <laughs> no, I said it wrong in the beginning because I think just special. Sometimes. Yeah. Either way, if you've seen the movie, you know the character. It's it's great, but um. In Collateral, Jamie Foxx is a cab driver in L.A., and at the beginning of the movie, he gets um, Jada Pinkett Smith's character. He picks her up and takes her somewhere, and 
it's like a 20 minute scene like a, not it's not one long tracking scene but it's just them in the cab taking and her to her destination it's really slow i've tried to show the movie to people uh, my friends in high school and they would always just fall asleep and never gave a shit so i'm pretty pissed at them that they still haven't watched it but after that scene he picks up tom cruise who's a hitman and he doesn't know it and they go somewhere tom's like oh i gotta make this stop and he this body flies out the window and lands on jamie fox's car and Obviously, he freaks out because he's just a normal cab driver. He didn't know where Tom Cruise went. And then, essentially, Cruise tells him, like, I have five hits I need to do tonight, and you're going to be my driver, and there's nothing you can do about it. So he, like, ropes him into it, and the whole movie is him just going on these hits. And they're, like, the movie's more so about them figuring out how different but similar their characters are and how Jamie Foxx isn't quite the good guy he maybe thinks he is. And it's so good. It's one of my favorite movies for sure. But there's this one scene where near kind of – um, the climax of the movie where they're driving. So it's in downtown LA and they just had some pretty deep shit that they went through. And this coyote like shows up on the side of the road and starts walking across and they're both just staring at it. And for what's going on in the movie, it's extremely metaphorical, but, um, this song, uh, um, oh my God, why am I drawing a blank on this song right now? Shadow on the sun by audio slave comes in. Which, growing up, Audio Slave was one of those rock bands, kind of like Trap, that just got me into rock music and stuff. They had a really good album that that song's actually from. And it just, like, I don't know what happened, but it just clicked so well in that scene. And it fits so perfectly, because it's got a slow intro. And then they keep the song going for, like, a few minutes. The Most movies won't play a song that long, but they just let it ride out. And it just, oh, it's so perfect. That's actually what made me want to pick soundtracks for movies when I was younger was that specific scene. And I always tell people about it, but unfortunately I don't even really know anyone who's seen the movie. So I can't really talk to anyone about it, but, um, that was just one I wanted to bring up. Cause that is an amazing scene for an amazing movie. And yeah, so th- those are probably the movies again, I'm going to remember a bunch of in the coming weeks stuff that I forgot about, but I'll just have to bring them up later, I guess. All right. Well, I'll move on to some of my favorites here and definitely going to be a short list. Uh, there's a lot that I'm leaving off, um, but one of the ones that really came to mind for me was uh, 2003's Lost in Translation, directed by uh, Sofia Coppola, daughter of Francis Ford Coppola, who's famous for directing the Godfather films as well as uh, Apocalypse Now. Isn't that um, Nick Cage uncle? Was it? Isn't Nicolas Cage uncle Francis Ford Coppola? Um, I don't he, know. I, Potentially. I think it's the guy that's in all the Wes Anderson films. I know. I think he's related to him somehow. Well, I know that um, Nick Cage. The guy yeah, with the mole. That, that is his uncle. Yeah. I so, can't think of his name. Um, he does the, He's the main actor in Rushmore. No, I'm saying Francis Ford Coppola is Nick Cage's uncle. Oh, I didn't. Really? Yeah. Huh. And so he changed his name, though, because he didn't want to be associated with him. He wanted to, like, make his own career. That's interesting. I know. You never would have guessed. Sorry to interrupt there. It's just something. Oh, no, that's up. fine. Um, so this movie, like I was saying, um, directed by Sofia Coppola, it's starring Bill Murray and Scarlett Johansson. And it's pretty much a love story that takes place in, in Tokyo. Uh, Bill Murray plays a famous actor in the movie and he's there to do a, uh, whiskey commercial, uh, for this Japanese company. And so there's a lot of, uh, funny goofs going on. There's, it's hilarious. There's a scene with, um, 
he's trying to drink the whiskey and he's in there and they're trying to talk to him, but they can't speak English. And so they're trying to like just motion like, yes, drink the whiskey like this. And so every time he drinks it, they're like, no, 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 you got to like the whiskey, you know? <laughs> so finally it's just him like going so over the top. He's like leaning back, like wearing a nice jacket and he's like slowly sipping and like staring into the camera and like, yes, yes, yes. Perfect. <laughs> it's, it's a hilarious scene, but, um, her Scott Johansson's husband's like a photographer and she's staying at the same hotel and they happen to meet and just kind of fall in love and, uh, quickly. Uh, but it's kind of like a weird odd love cause she's much younger than him. And Bill Murray has like a wife, but they're kind of a little bit strange. They're not getting along. And, um, so it's just pretty much them enjoying Tokyo, but I was never a huge fan of the city or had any interest of it, uh, leading up to this movie. But there's just some great scenes, and my favorite scene of all is there's a, I want to say like a five-minute kind of vignette where they're in one of these karaoke bars in Japan. And so in Japan, you can just rent out rooms and do karaoke in it, and it's like a big thing for the Japanese people to do. And so in this scene, they all get along, and they're all singing uh, music, and Bill Murray's song that he sings in this is uh, More Than This by Roxy Music. And it's just a really interesting version of that song that he goes with in the karaoke. Uh, <laughs> and then he also sings uh, What's So Funny About Peace, Love, and Understanding with uh, Elvis Costello. And then mm-hmm. uh, Scarlett Johansson sings along to Brass and Pocket by The Pretenders. And then the Japanese guy they're hanging out with sings God Save the Queen by the Sex Pistols. And he sings it in a very odd accent. <laughs> but... uh great movie and there's a lot of actual songs in the soundtrack outside of that scene uh by kevin shields of the band my bloody valentine i don't know if you guys ever listened to them but shoegaze band oh yep. yeah and there's actually a there's actually a <laughs> my bloody valentine song in there as well but it's all original music he did for the movie and it's pretty epic um so that was great and then there's actually a song by phoenix called too young on there as well um Ooh. Love Phoenix. Yeah, it's a movie that I always constantly go back to. And I've seen probably three or four times, and it's just great. Scarlett Johansson is obviously beautiful in this movie, so that's always captivating, mm-hmm. but uh, <laughs> it's one of my favorites. Have you guys heard of Nimbus and East Lansing? Do you remember that when you were there? I don't I don't even know how old it is, how long it's been there. It's right above or right next to LS um, on MAC. And it it's uh, essentially it's one of those places where you can go and just rent out a room for however long you want. And there's a couch in there and you just sing karaoke and you can bring your own booze as well, bring your own water. And um, I went there for the first time. I'd never even heard of it and went there with some friends last fall and it was a total blast. That's the first time I've ever done any form of karaoke. But uh, yeah, those, those seem like they'd be a pretty fun uh, place to frequent. Just go to karaoke with a few of your friends. Yeah, definitely. I think that'd be a blast to rent out one of those rooms just for a night and mm-hmm. have a good time. Uh, yeah. My next movie is probably the movie I've seen most of my life. I could probably quote it from like top to bottom. I don't even know how many times I've watched it. It's at least 20, but it's uh, Days of Confused, a 1993 mm. film by uh, Richard Linkletter. And it's starring uh, Jason London, Ben Affleck, who I think that was his first role as well as Matthew McConaughey's first role as uh, Wooderson. And I'm sure everyone knows <laughs> the famous line, all right, all right, all right. Uh, 
<laughs> You'd be a lot cooler oh, if you did. Yes. There's just so many. <laughs> Man, <laughs> how many beers have you had tonight? Three. Oh, you're dead, kid. You're dead. See those things? It's the last kid that fell off this moon tower. You only had one beer. It's like rusting. The moon tower. Yeah, they're climbing the moon tower. Oh, God. There's actually a beer I had called have the you moon seen tower named after that. It's delicious. Oh, that's a good beer name. Uh, have you seen Out Cold? No. The snowboarding movie? Um, whoever the actor is that plays the football, the quarterback, I think, in Days and Confused. Jason London. He's like the main. He's got a brother, too, though. Okay. It's also an actor, like a twin brother. Oh, shit. Well, then, I'm not sure. It could be one, either one of them. But uh, they're in a really funny snowboarding movie with Zach Galifianakis before oh. he was. Yes, is that the one where they have the hot like Swedish girl and there's like a hot tub scene? Yep, the hot tub scene. Yep, (laughs) yep, that's that one. Yeah, that's just another stupid comedy. But anyway, back to Better Oblivion. Oh yeah, so this movie is just classic. Back to the actors that are in this. Parker Posey is also in here as well as Joey Lauren Adams and uh, Mila Jovovich. But it's just got a lot of classic. 70s rock songs and i remember the first time i watched with my dad he was just like this reminds me of so much because it was the same time when he went to high school he's like yeah this is like what we would do is just drive around in cars listen to music you know hang out and it's just it takes place across one day it's the final day of school and a lot of uh guys are becoming seniors and like one of the things they do is they like the freshman kids that are becoming new freshmen they like hit them with paddles it's like some initiation like hazing thing and so they're like chasing down these freshmen and that's part of the story and then they all go to like a big party at the moon tower afterwards because uh another party at pinkford's place gets busted but um some of the music that's in here it's got a slow ride by fog hat uh schools out for summer by alice cooper is one of the songs that plays when they first like showing the opening scene of like the freshmen leaving like their uh junior high school uh, Stranglehold by Ted Nugent plays as they're like at one of the parties. Uh, Lowrider by War plays as they're just driving around town uh, with the redheaded girl, I believe. Um, Tuesday's Gone by Leonard Skinner is one of the main tracks. But my favorite, though, is uh, Hurricane by Bob Dylan plays on. They first go to this uh, kind of bar pool hall that's like known in the town uh, called the Emporium. It's like this opening scene where they will kind of like walk into it for the first time and there's people playing like foosball and pool and it's that song's playing of uh you know here comes the story of hurricane and it's this really long take and it's it's great and also uh sweet emotion by aerosmith so i mean not music wise my favorite type of music to listen to it kind of brings back nostalgia of classic rock but it just fits so perfectly with the the movie and the scenes that i had to uh mention that just one of my favorite movies um so yeah that's days and confused i don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie or not but it's it's great that's an amazing movie definitely something everyone should see at least once mm-hmm. have you guys seen the sequel everybody wants some it's like set in the 80s and they're like baseball players i don't think i saw that one i haven't is it oh bad? no it's really good i saw it twice in theaters yeah oh, really? it's not the same actors or anything it's all new storyline but it kind of picks up where it's like takes place across like three days of these college guys on a baseball team together huh no i I don't have to check that out though i didn't know it existed yeah it was great i saw that twice in theaters when it uh 
came out. Definitely like that one. Not as good as Days of Confused, but it's still a pretty good movie. And then my final movie, and it's probably my favorite on the list here in terms of soundtracks and really just epitomizes. There's just some really great scenes in this one. But it's uh, 1997's Boogie Nights, directed by Paul Thomas Anderson, starring Mark Wahlberg, Burt Reynolds, John C. Riley. There's so many greats. Philip Seymour Hoffman, Julianne Moore, Heather Graham, William H. Macy, Louis Guzman, Don Cheadle, and uh, Alfred Molina. And I'm probably leaving a few off this list, but it's Paul Thomas Anderson's short. We always, I always call him PTA for short. It's one of the greatest directors of our generation. Like, he's put out so many good films. But this one just kind of takes the cake, and it's the story of a uh, porn star in the 70s going into the 80s. Uh, and I think it's one of Mark Wahlberg's first uh, movies. But there's so many long scenes, kind of similar to when you mentioned Goodfellas, where they incorporate a steady cam. And they'll go through like one song and they'll play it out where it's two minutes of no cuts, all one take. And it just goes around like a whole entire scene of a, a theme. So like it's not just like a character talking to another character. It actually goes around this whole, uh, like for instance, the very opening scene where they're at this club. They're playing Best of My Love by The Emotions. And you guys are probably their song. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're the best of my love. You know that song? No? <laughs> I don't know like if I do. I'm a terrible singer, so probably <laughs> not recognizable. But um, so it starts off, and there's somebody entering the club, and they're kind of following them through. And they talk to another character. And then as that character leaves, it follows a different character away. And it just loops around this whole scene. Then it comes back to the uh, Louis Guzman character, who's the owner of the club. And there's a girl rollerblading. It follows her. And the way the steady cam follows it with no cuts, you're going around the place. And then it comes back. And it's just perfect timing. And it's just beautiful. Um, yeah, that reminds me of Birdman. Yes. You guys have seen that yes. movie. Yeah, the Birdman track shot. Also, uh, the True Detective track yes. shot in this season one. It's all very similar. Yeah. And there's so many scenes like this in this movie that just make it so... I can watch it over and over again. That's what got me so excited for this episode as I rewatched the movie. There's my favorite scene in the movie, which is a pool scene at a party they have. And they're playing uh, War with Eric Burden, uh, Spill the Wine. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever, you probably have heard the song. It's a pretty classic rock song, but uh, it takes place at a party they're having at this pool. And it opens up with like, one of the porn stars leaving a limo with uh, the main director. And then they walk into the pool scene and uh, there's a part where John C. Riley's talking up Mark Wahlberg's character and they're asking each other how much they lift. It's pretty hilarious. Oh yeah. I squat this much. Or I bench this much. <laughs> and then they're making a martini and it cuts away. And then there's this girl um, it follows her and she's not even really an actor in the movie. She's just an extra but it follows her and she's wear, uh, wearing a bikini. It's kind of zooming in on her. And then she jumps into the pool. And as she jumps into the pool, the song like hits the break perfectly where um, kind of the beat hits in the song. And then as she's going underwater, it follows. The camera follows her underwater in one take. I don't know how it works. No cuts. And the sound becomes muffled like you're listening to it underwater. And then it pops up. And when the song stops the break, it pops up and she comes up out of the water. And like that muffled sound goes away. And it's just like, mm -hmm. it's 
it's fucking amazing. There's awesome. I just had serious deja vu on this, so I'm guessing maybe Tower, you've told me about the scene before. I, I might have played it for you. It's amazing. I it, it made me think of the scene in um, Fast Times at Ridgemont High when they play Moving in Stereo. In the yes, pool scene. yes, very similar to that. <laughs> um, damn. Well, Tyler, I, I got oh, a couple sorry. more scenes that I have to hit on in this movie, and then I'll uh, move on yeah, to Aaron, but. There's also a scene with this actor named William H. Macy plays this guy named Little Bill in the movie. And there's a scene in New Year's that's another long one take. I won't give any spoilers, but uh, the song Charles Wright in the 103rd Street Band. And it's uh, Do Your Thing. And that's a great scene. And then there's one final scene at the end of the movie where um, Mark Wahlberg's character, along with a few other characters... Uh, go to rob a guy in a fake drug deal and this guy is like I think he's supposed to be kind of some of these scummier like movie directors that got in trouble like nowadays like the Harvey Weinstein's of the world and they come in and he's wearing like a like very shiny bathrobe and like a speedo underneath it and he's just got music blasting and there's like these kids around him like kids that probably are you know much too young to be around this guy. This guy's a creep, right? And they're trying to rob him. And there's someone throwing fireworks throughout the whole scene, like firecrackers, and they're just going off. And it's like so weird because it's a very, very tense scene. And he's playing in the beginning in a stereo. He's playing um, Jesse's Girl by Rick Springfield. And it fits perfectly with the scene. And then halfway through the scene, that song ends. And he does this big line of coke, and he's you know doing all these drugs in the scene. And then he turns it up as the next is like, oh, I can't believe they have these new mixtape things. You can make like a tape and you know put all the songs you want next to it. <laughs> and the next song that comes up is Sister Christian by Night Rider. And he turns it all the way up, and he goes motoring. You know that part? <laughs> and he's just cranking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's yeah. just like you could tell he's peeking off whatever he just took, and it's just like the most out there scene, but it's just, and then the firecrackers going off and it's super tense and they're trying to like grab this guy and this guy's just out of his mind, like nuts. <laughs> it's, it's great. Not to glorify the use of drugs, but you guys notice that like every movie that's ever had a drug scene has found the perfect music to play to make the scene just like kind of mesmerizing. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. That's kind of how this scene is. And it's like, the guy's a total it's, creep, yeah. and it doesn't like really glorify it. It kind of makes him look shitty, but just the music they play is perfect to it. It just like fits that. I don't know. Mm -hmm. it's so good. You know what? I, yeah, you know what I'm talking <laughs> about. Yeah. They, well, one of my best friends from high school, uh, we have like the same taste in movies, and we always like share movie choices. And he says that this would be like my favorite movie, and I still haven't seen it. And he keeps telling me to watch it, so I'm gonna have to try that out. It's so good. Yeah, that's been on my watch list for a while, too. Okay, so favorite soundtracks for me. I have a few honorable mentions that I wanted to bring up first. Um, a couple of movies that uh, made really good use of a single song for a scene. One of them that came to mind for me was Hell or High Water um, with the Gillian Welch song, I'm Not Afraid to Die. Have you guys seen that movie? Yes, very good movie. So that's kind of like a western style movie set in the 80s i think it's in texas and uh it's a couple of brothers who have to resort to robbing banks to i think they're trying to save their family ranch 
and a really kind of powerful scene of just where the two brothers are just kind of hanging out, being brothers, and uh, set to that song where it's really the scene where it makes you kind of emotionally bond to both characters. I thought that was a really good one. Not really necessarily uh, the movie as a whole for a soundtrack, but I always remember that part. Another one like that would be Blade Runner 2049. There's a fight scene in that movie set to Frank Sinatra's song, One for My Baby. That's my favorite Frank Sinatra song, and uh, it works perfectly for that. You wouldn't expect it to, you know, given the um, the whole Blade Runner 2049 thing. Is You, you guys seen those movies? Yeah. I haven't yeah. seen either. doesn't really think it. Like, no, kind of. 2049 was like the most beautiful shot movie I've ever seen, I feel like. It's so gorgeous. I heard the cinematography just, like, is just insane. Yeah. I've only seen the original Blade yes. Runner, though. I should probably check it out. And the score. The score is good? The score, too, is really good. Okay. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. This is very good. Aaron, what do you think, real quick before, um, I was going to ask, what do you think of Hell or High Water compared to No Country for Old Men? Oh, I, I love are... both of those movies. Um, I have the book for okay. No Country for Old Men. Um, okay. Obviously, No Country for Old Men is a lot more like horror aspect to it and darker, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if I'd want to compare those two. They're both great. Really? I feel like they're just really similar in a lot of ways because I actually just saw No Country for Old Men for the first time oh, oh, man. So like lucky. last week. So good. Man, that movie, well, it, the, the tense <laughs> scenes get you so like on the edge of your seat in that movie. Javier Bardem's character was fucking amazing. He was just like, I wanted the, I want an entire movie of just him in every scene. I could just watch him. He was so good. That, had, that year was so good for movies set like that in that same, I think like in that same Texas town they filmed no Country for Old Men, and they also filmed uh, There Will Be Blood, which is a Paul Thomas Anderson oh. film. I don't know if you guys have seen that. PTA. And that's You'll Drink My Milkshake, or something along those lines. I haven't seen it. Yeah. I think I've that uh, yeah. that movie, I want to say that Johnny Greenwood from Radiohead did the score for that movie, too. He did, yes. Yeah. Um, another artist that did oh shit sorry I'll, I'll let you finish I'll let you finish go ahead go for it I was gonna say another artist kind of a popular artist that did a uh, soundtrack that I was thinking about mentioning or a score was um, Trent Reznor did the Gone Girl score oh man if you guys yep. have seen that mm-hmm. movie I don't remember the score in that movie standing out a lot but Trent Reznor um, got all of him he was he's known yeah. to collaborate yeah. with uh, the David Fincher because he did Gone Girl, and he also did the mm-hmm. Social Network soundtrack. And he might have... For anyone that doesn't... I was going to say, for anyone that doesn't know, Trent Reznor's Nine Inch Nails. So that I'm sure a lot of people would know who Nine Inch Nails is, or at least have heard so of them. Did he do Girl with mm-hmm. the Dragon Tattoo as well? Oh, you might be right. I don't know if he did that or not. He might have. That because Oh, God, that movie is so oh, good, too. This reminds me of... I really should have mentioned, as far as... Uh, Wow, I'm blanking on it, but the Rooney Mara, I think is her name. She plays the girl in yeah. Dragon Tattoo. She's in this movie called Ghost Story. Oh. And okay. with Casey Affleck. And there's one really great song in there, but I don't I don't need to wax on that. I'll let Aaron go. But it just brought my mind like yeah, sorry, Ghost Aaron, Story's we... got a great soundtrack as well. So I just want to share. <laughs> um, okay, so another kind of honorable mention, it's uh Another Western movie from the 70s, Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid. 
Uh, Bob Dylan did the soundtrack for this movie, and he also plays a minor role in it. Uh, most people know the song Knocking on Heaven's Door. It's from that movie. Oh. I just rewatched it recently just to remind myself how much I really like that soundtrack. Um, I listened to the album many times over before ever listening to it, but uh, it's definitely um, it's one of my favorite Dylan albums. It's pretty underrated. Um, and then the movie, of course, also is pretty good. Another one that is kind of like that, that kind of stands alone from the movie, um, also another Minnesotan, Purple Rain. I was um, thinking about that too. <laughs> mm-hmm. So good. So, yeah, that movie's interesting. So it's, the acting is pretty, like, awesome. not that good. You kind of have to, but, <laughs> but, but as a music experience in the movie, it's like 10 out of 10. So you kind of have to watch it like you're watching a Prince live DVD with a little bit of storyline inserted here and there. Um, I actually saw that Dave Chappelle skit <laughs> about Prince before watching Purple Rain. And if you've seen that and you haven't seen the movie, it's not a terrible <laughs> misrepresentation of how Prince acts. But I really think that kind of odd acting as a whole in the movie kind of suits his bizarre <laughs> persona that he had. Um, I love those scenes where thing, they're like in the club and they're just doing the songs, but there's like no one watching. They're just like rehearsing or something. It's so weird. Yeah. Most of that, all of those scenes were shot at First Ave in Minneapolis. Um, yeah. Venue that I've seen many shows at. I grew up in that area. Also just in proximity to Prince in general. So that's kind of probably bias for why um, I like his music and his movies so much. But when I was there visiting um, friends, I went not, there's a smaller venue below first yeah? seven street, street entry. entry i went yeah. there yeah that's cool. really cool venue yeah interesting thing i read about the movie was that apparently prince didn't do any interviews during that whole purple rain cycle at all so this movie about prince came out starring prince and it was a big success but then nobody actually heard from prince during it like he never talked to the media at all um but once you've seen it it really, um, it's a great album. It's probably Prince's most popular album, right? Yeah. And that movie really gives new meaning to the album and the lyrics on it when you understand. Like, all, every song of that album is about a scene in the movie. Um, so, yeah, May You Live to See the Dawn. Great movie. Um, another one for me, The Great Gatsby. Uh, I'm talking Baz Luhrmann's Great Gatsby, the new one. Pretty much all around a good music experience, but in particular, I really liked the jazz recordings. I don't know if you guys have listened to this or not, but um, it's called Yellow Cocktail Music. Um, basically, these this Roaring Twenties jazz band played covers of all the songs on on the, in the movie, the Lana Del Rey and the Jay Z and Beyonce and everything, and it's really cool. Um, it's the Brian Ferry Orchestra that does it. Um, Brian Ferry? Honestly, Brian Ferry. Second yeah. time he's mentioned. I mentioned Roxy Music earlier, too. I like Brian Ferry. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Um, uh, another one that I wanted to throw in there was Boys in the Hood. Um, there's a lot of good options for hip-hop movies when it comes to soundtracks. You got Straight Outta Compton. Dope is a good one that we talked about before. Oh, shit. Um, Dope, definitely. Menace to Society are just some of the ones Menace that come to mind. Menace to Society. <laughs> in all these movies, there's a lot of music in them that I think diegetic is the term for music that 
that is in the scene and the characters can hear it, but then it's not actually on the soundtrack. So it's like someone's actually listening to the music in the movie, but then it doesn't make the soundtrack. Um, there's a lot of good music like that in all these. Um, I really thought in Straight Outta Compton, like that movie was full of great music, but then you look at the soundtrack and it's all NWA. There's none of the other stuff on there. Um, but Boys in the Hood, it's got a lot of good stuff. Ice Cube, obviously he's in the movie. Um, Two Live Crew, Tony, 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 Too Short, you know, it's a great uh, 90s hip-hop lineup for that. And, you know, that came out back then in the 90s when that was current music, which I thought was pretty fun. Um, so then, probably my favorite soundtrack, um, Adam, so we already talked about this movie, but it has a great soundtrack too, Watchmen. Um, mm -hmm. So Watchmen, directed by Zack Snyder, um, it's a great compilation of music, regardless of the movie, really. You got like Janis Joplin, Bob Dylan, Nat King Cole, Billie Holiday, Leonard Cohen, Nina Simone, Simon and Garfunkel. It's just absolutely loaded. But um, really in the movie, the way they have entire montages and scenes centered around songs, it's almost like an opera. Like, uh, yeah. like I'm thinking of the uh, Nat King Cole unforgettable scene, you know, the fight scene in the beginning. And mm -hmm. um, the times they are changing. Yeah, I was thinking of that. Bob yes, that sniper I mean, scene in the beginning. That's just like the whole. It, yeah, it, that's where that happens. But it's yeah, yeah. It, and, wasn't that during the slow motion scene mm -hmm. where there's like or almost stills of the characters? Yeah, yeah. Like photo. Yeah. God, that movie's so good. But it's like, like it's almost like music videos in the movie for each song. Yeah, like, they play the entire song, and it's just really immerses you in it. Uh, the hallelujah scene during the sex scene in the mm -hmm. owl mobile, whatever they call it. Yeah. Yep. So I just bought that graphic novel for Watchmen not too long ago. I haven't read it yet, but I got a cool international version from Book Depository. Mm -hmm. It has a different uh, cover on the front of it. So, but yeah. So it, it's really good. And then they actually, each, the characters have their own book, uh, their own like books as well. So, like, I've read the Rorschach one, which is awesome. But, like, I have the Dr. Manhattan comedian ones as well. The comedian one's pretty good. So, like, mm -hmm. they're not as good as the original graphic novel. But if you, like, fall in love with it, I'd recommend checking those out as well. Just The Watchmen don't get any I love. I think they're getting I, a TV like, show. They, they, on HBO, yeah. they are. Mm -hmm. yep. that should be, and, you know, yeah. so, a missed opportunity, they should make a Minutemen movie. Mm -hmm. That would be a yeah. great story. Uh, a Zack Snyder Minutemen to follow up The Watchmen. Yeah, exactly. But Zack Snyder would have to go back to that style. So I don't want DC style, you know, like the well, video game looking. You, you know, he did the the um, Batman, he did Batman vs Superman. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I agree though. His style would have to be like because there was nothing about that movie that was superhero other than Doctor Manhattan, obviously. But th they did a good job of keeping it pretty grounded in reality in terms of the fight scenes in motion. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was gorgeous too. That whole movie. Mm -hmm. It was. Oh, God. All right, we could talk about Watchmen forever, I feel like. Um, but yeah, that's all for me. I have a lot more for scores, so we can move on. Hey, guys, this is Tyler coming to you post-production. Uh, we decided to split up these episodes, so this will be the end of episode four on soundtracks, and then we'll start up episode five with scores for movies. We recorded both on the same day, but we decided to split them up just because we felt it was a little bit easier on the ears and uh, easier to digest, so...
Hope you enjoy, and I uh, look forward to you guys listening to uh, episode five as well.